Hello friends, welcome to the software world, I'm Jan Dost. Here I'm on a mission to make connections between the software industry and our individual and unique lives. We all have a common goal of solving problems with software. Whatever happens on our journeys will not stay mysterious anymore. Hello everyone, welcome back to the software world with Jan Dost. In this episode, we will continue with systems and architectural thinking series. And in the last episode, I talked about the role of software architect. And the architect's job is eventually a combination of tech lead, software engineer, and R&D engineer, and also a strategist. In this episode, we will see how these responsibilities come together. Working on architecture is a combination of comprehensive set of skills. And in this episode, I will talk about what an architect thinks and how uh, an architect approaches the problem before starting with the design. But before all of that, we need to clear out one thing and it is the architectural size. What I am talking about here is not the enterprise architecture. In enterprise architecture, a group of architects come together and tries to build an architecture that many applications will fit in. And there are a lot of politics around because you need to convince many people and etc. And good enterprise architects usually come up with technologies or techniques to integrate applications into what the application teams are building. And usually good enterprise architects have minimum impacts to application teams. What I'm talking about when I say architecture here is the application architecture. Application architectures can be part of enterprise architecture. What I'm talking about here is an application and I think we need to also define what is application, what we are talking about when we say application. I like the explanation from Martin Fowler on that regard. Martin Fowler defines an application as a single unit that has been seen as a single unit from developers, customers, and managers' perspective. So it's like a social construction indicates a single unit from different perspectives. And these many perspectives comes together and builds the social construction and application. So right now we know what an application is and what type of architecture we are talking about. So, and those applications have system quality attributes or architecture characteristics. These are the principles that define how the architecture will be. An architect, who usually chooses a couple of them to support and then tries to define an architecture that is suitable for what's selected. When I'm talking about system quality attributes or architecture characteristics, there are 84 system quality attributes listed on Wikipedia. When I say system quality attributes, I mean by debuggability, extensibility, scalability, securability, or reliability, availability, and etc. Like in short, these are the illities that we are talking about. And these illities, like these architecture characteristics, usually satisfy three criteria. First, it specifies a non-domain design consideration. Second, it influences some structural aspect of the design. And third, it is critical or important to application success. And deciding the most important characteristics of software includes understanding the business requirements, company strategy, and also the team structure. Because we know the Conway's law say any organization that designs a system will produce a design whose structure is a copy of the organization's communication structure. So understanding the team structure and the communication structure is crucial to decide the most important architecture characteristics. But why choosing a couple of characteristics are difficult. So the cases that are like, as I said, 84 of them, right? And at best, maybe an architect can support 
couple of them only. And also some of the characteristics are aggregation of different characteristics or different attributes. And when architect chooses agility, it comes with seven different attributes together. It's debuggability, extensibility, portability, scalability, securability, testability, and understandability. So think about it. Like an architect chooses an agility as a characteristics of the architecture. Okay, but now an architect needs to support seven different characteristics as well. The system has to be debuggable and scalable and secure and etc. And this is just a one characteristic or whole system. Now, when we think about the parts of systems, there are subsets of these like important parts of the systems. And like, for example, the databases, the, for databases, the usually important characteristics are reliability, availability, scalability, and recoverability. And on the other hand, there are safety critical systems and those have different characteristics. Like for example, safety critical systems usually have reliability, availability, maintainability, and safety. And choosing one always is a trade-off and or sacrifice from the another one. For example, performance is a mission critical thing in a software and an architect wants to add a safety characteristics, then most probably the architect will face problems, right? Because uh, let's say if you have a backend system for secure request and response, sometimes you need to do a couple of extra steps to make the application secure. So it, these steps impacts your performance. So supporting one characteristics, just adding one even, adds more complexity into the architecture. When we think about like all of them, we cannot have the best architecture that supports 84 characteristics, right? There's always a trade-off. And whenever, like, when we talk about the architecture or software architecture, we always hear the word, it depends, and it, it has a trade-off. Like, these are the very common sayings in software architecture. This is why we cannot strive to design the best architecture. We can strive to design the architecture to be as iterative as possible. That might be close to best, of course not. Since we cannot design the best, designing a changeable architecture will allow us to fix our mistakes on the way, right? So this is why I like the saying that Richards and Ford use in the Fundamentals of Software Architecture book, says a quote, never shoot for the best architecture, but rather the least worst architecture, quote. This pretty much sums up how we can approach the architecture. And now the, here it comes the place for design thinking. Design thinking is introduced by David Kelly as a process. And Kelly really promoted the idea of design thinking as a process. Before it was always like a different steps. They were like independent from each other. Design thinking process has five steps. First is empathize. Second one is define. And third, ideate. Fourth, prototype test. In the design thinking, the main idea is having a human-centric design. So we talked about an architecture in a social construction and also many characteristics and etc. So usually software has a human user, right? Anytime we are building a software, we are most probably or majorly thinking about our users, who is going to use that and Usually the humans are using it, usually. Not always, but usually. That's why like the design thinking has a human-centric idea in the core, like the designing behaviors and personalities directly in the product. When we think like how we can do this design process, like in these five steps, first emphasize time to gather all the requirements and also like the stakeholders together and ponder and comprehend the problem that's on focus. Right? Commencing the designing phase with an empathy through the problem and not the solution 
keeps the thinking as free as possible. And it also helps in the second phase, in the define. What is the problem statement? Define it. Because usually even stakeholders don't know what the actual problem they're trying to solve. That's why it's crucial to have all the context, all the requirements together to define what is the problem we are trying to solve. What is the problem statement? It also helps to brainstorm the next step, ideation, brainstorm the solutions, brainstorm the design. So in the ideation process, getting together with the correct people and architect enables an architect to find conclusions to the problem, like generating ideas. If you gather people around you that's, that understands the problem and understands the full context and try to and brainstorm and generate ideas, this will help an architect to come up with the solutions or conclusions to the problem. Ideating the possible solutions, yes, more than one, not only one solution, ideating the possible solutions empowers the next step, prototyping and testing. Prototyping and testing is crucial for software architecture. The architect needs to see if it is working or not. Prototyping many solutions is a, is a crucial thing to have an iterative process to see the problems as early as possible. Don't forget, we are always aiming for the least worst one. So we need to cut off at some point and go with it. But there are two principles to keep in mind during this design process. The first one is feasibility. Is the solution practical? We are ideating, prototyping and testing, but is the solution that we found practical? It has to be feasible to be able to use in the software, right? And the other principle is the viability. How is an architecture likely to become a part of a sustainable business model. If an idea or prototype cannot become a part of a sustainable business model, well, there is no point of pursuing it, right? The software architect knows and understands the company strategy, the goals, and the technical limitations. So the software architect uses this knowledge to help the team to test the viability of the solutions. So software architect's contribution here in the design thinking especially is assessing the feasibility right in the ideation process and helping the teams to fail fast with ideas and solutions that's not possible to implement with the software and also verify the viability of the solution and assess the testability of generated ideas. We talked about the principles, architecture size and applications and design thinking, but now we are coming to the part that actually designing the system. What is the process for system design? For system design, I will not get into the technical details because usually the system design itself is a unique approach depending on the problem that you are trying to solve. So every problem will have a different system design, but there are some elements I want to touch on because these elements are the part of every system design. First, holistic thinking. An architect uses an holistic thinking to consider the problem, understand the problem. What are the connections between parts of the problem? How they work with together? What are their relationships? And try to modularize the system. And modularity is one of the keys in system design. And the architect tries to understand the problem holistically while trying to understand the different modules. And understanding the different modules and coming up with a solution requires an induction approach. So I want to tell this again. The problem requires holistical approach. The solution requires inductive approach. By inductive, I mean 
solving the smaller parts first and then going to the bigger parts. So the architect needs to separate the systems into parts, modules, right? And look at these parts that need to be connected. An architect looks which part needs to be connected to another part or they need to be separated or not. An architect understands the relationship between those smaller parts. And the last element I want to touch is conceptual integrity. So when we think about the modularity, holistical thinking and inductive approach, we come to a point that the system should have conceptual integrity. Now I want to directly quote from uh, Fred Brooks in the famous book Mythical Man Month. The book is published I think in 1975 or so but I found a short interview with Brooks in 1995 and still was keeping the same idea of conceptual integrity and I think it still applies in our current systems as well. So with a direct quote from Fred Brooks, quote, I will contend that conceptual integrity is the most important consideration in system design. It's better to reflect one set of design ideas than to have one that contains many good but independent and uncoordinated ideas. Fred Brooks continues to support this statement with saying that system design must be created by single mind or a very, very, very small group. Although I'm not 100% agreeing to this statement, but I still see what Brooks is trying to explain here. All the system design, like all the characteristics and etc., should be created by a very small group. Because when we think about Conway's law again, I'm saying the Conway's law, like giving it another explanation, the same explanation, any organizations that design a system will produce a design whose structure is a copy of the organization's communication structure. So when we think about this Conway law, if the system design doesn't come from a very, very small group, and if it comes to, from bigger groups, then it will also have an impact on the system design from their communication structure. So this is why the software architect usually involves as less people as possible in the system design phase. To sum up, we talked about defining application architecture and what application is. And then we talked about the principal parts, like the characteristics of architecture, system quality attributes, and what are those system quality attributes and etc. And then we talked about design thinking, the five steps of design thinking and also having the human-centric design. And also we talked about the principles to keep in mind during this design process, feasibility and viability. Later on, we talked about the system design, holistic approach, modularity, and inductive approach. And last but not least, conceptual integrity. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And you can find all the show notes in jandos.blog slash podcast. And I will also share my mind map there, which I use uh, in this podcast series. And you can also find all the resources I mentioned here on the website as well. Don't forget to share the show with one of your friends. And don't forget to share the episode on social media. Until next time, take care.